If you've ever lost sleep worrying about your kids, and frankly, who hasn't, then you already know how important the work we do as parents really is. Well, today we're talking with Coach Aaron Tarr about raising our girls to be fierce and to flourish. Aaron gives us some real-world advice on how to raise our kids to have the confidence to succeed in life. The Legendary Marriage Podcast begins now. If you're feeling more like roommates than soulmates, it's time for the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Every couple wants to have a great marriage, but the trials and challenges of life pull us in different directions. But you can have a legendary marriage filled with passion, fun, and adventure together. That's why each week we share stories and ideas about building a life, a love, and a legacy together. And at the end of every episode, we challenge you to find a time with your spouse to build more intimacy and connection by having conversations that matter. Hey there, it's Danielle and Justin. Welcome to episode 187 of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. Yes, this week we are thrilled, over the moon really, to have Aaron Tarr, founder of Be The Benchmark, as our guest today. And we are talking about girl stuff. Girl stuff. (laughs) Aaron is a coach for young women and... uh, She wants them to be fierce and flourish and thrive no matter what. And she really works with those preteens, teens, and even college age girls in such a crucial time in life. And I feel like we need more people in the world doing the work that she's doing. So Every parent wakes up at night sometimes going, are we doing this right? Are we like, everybody needs a little support and that's what Aaron is. Uh, Before we get into today's episode, uh, we have a favor to ask. If you have ever gotten any value from this show, if you've ever laughed, cried, smiled, chuckled, had a moment (laughs) of like, oh my gosh, that's me, or it's inspired and challenged you, take a moment and leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts for us. Those reviews really help us out. Uh, They help the ranking of the show so that more people can find it and uh, build legendary marriages. And if you're looking for even more about how to build a legendary marriage, you may be feeling like you're in the roommate zone. Um, Then you might want to sign up for the next Roommates to Soulmates five-day free marriage challenge to help you reignite the passion in your marriage just five days. So you can get all the details and sign up now at soulmateschallenge.com. When I found out we were going to have a girl right off the bat, I was very comforted. Almost nine years ago. <laughs> I was very comforted by that. And just having two girls now, because like I grew up with one sister. Mm-hmm. My mom grew up with one sister. It's just like I knew what to expect raising two girls. And so I was very comforted like, okay, this girl thing, I can do this girl thing. And how about you? When you found out, uh, well, I mean, I grew daughter. up with one. I grew up with one brother who's twelve years older than I am. So basically, you're an only child. So I was. <laughs> I, I mean, in essence, I mean, like he was in high school by the time I was, you know, up and around doing stuff. A sentient stuff. being. So <laughs> I, I didn't really have an expectation. Yeah. Right. Well, what about like? I'm just trying to think. Like, were you terrified at the thought? I know there's a lot of dads out there that are like, "Get my shotgun," and you know, all that oh, kind no, of I stuff. I think that's fun. I can't wait. No. I cannot wait till the girls bring some boy home and I can just intimidate the no, crap out of them. No, come on. No, my goal is to raise them to be like, be the screener for us. Like, we don't even have to. No, like, don't take my fun away. Oh. Don't take my fun away. Okay. So, 
um, when we were talking about, you know, our conversation with Aaron Tarr today, yeah. you know, I, I thought about puberty, you know. Oh, good. Well, this I mean, is something I'm so excited to that's, talk about. This is the two girls. Puberty is going to hit in well, a few years here, and uh, with it's going to be fun times in the Williams household. With the whole school thing right now, I feel like we're excessively communicating about what this year is going to bring. Yeah. I mean, as much as we can. But um, one of the girls asked us. You know, I said, well, this year is, you know, you're going to learn to read and you're going to do all this stuff. And I was like kind of rattling some stuff off. And the girl said, is this the year where we go through puberty? (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, um, maybe, I don't know. Probably not. I mean, (laughs) I kind of hope not. (laughs) Yeah, a little young. Let's not rush it. But I love that they have the vocabulary. Like, it's. I've always uh, felt like... I, maybe I over-communicate things about what's going to happen to their body yeah. in, in certain stages, but I just don't want them to be shocked. Yeah. Like, what? Well, and it's interesting, in the conversation with Erin, <laughs> she kind of talked about that. Like, you can't over-communicate about this stuff. Right, right, right. That's true. That's true. Um, and start early and, and normalize the, the language and the expectations and the understanding so yeah. that the kids, you know, it's a, puberty's a traumatic kind of a thing, oh whether you're a boy gosh. or a girl. Oh my gosh. All right. So Erin Tarr, she's today's guest. Um, She's a coach on a mission to help young girls and women everywhere learn the tools they need to develop the confidence, the communication, um, conflict resolution skills to live a life of limitless possibility. Like if I could just snap my fingers and that dream would come true for our girls, I would just like do it in a second. Um, it's a little intimidating, but she gives us like some real um, a- applicable tools. Yeah, it's like, really good. Make sure we talk about this. Make sure you do this. So, hey, let's just get to our conversation with Coach Aaron Tarr. My gosh. We are so <laughs> happy to have Aaron Tarr on Finally. the show today. We've been asking her for maybe about three years. And so we're so glad yeah. that she finally said yes. I think it took and a, schedules a global pandemic to yeah. make it work, but we are so glad to have her. She is founder of Be The Benchmark and she is just passionate about helping young girls find their voice and flourish and all that. Um, and she's going to give us as as married people and a parents, um, a little clue into the young girl's mind, especially as because they get Because we older. have two of them. We have two. Erin, we seriously need your help. You guys, welcome Erin Tarr to the show. Thank you for being here. Yes, thank you for having me. I'm glad the stars finally aligned and yeah. us to get together. I think there might be an eclipse or something. I don't know. It might be. It I might be. Is there like we're not into astronomy a whole lot? I I just I just don't know it. Is it astronomy so, or astrology? Astrology. I'm not no, no, into astro- astronomy either. I like astrology. That I think I have the little Pisces app on my stuff. phone that that like you can point it up and it tells you what you're looking at. Oh, Lord, uh, I'm not into I astrology a whole lot. Um, so I don't know about the stars aligning or not. I'd be, <laughs> be curious to actually look and see on today's date what just, the story is. I think we've already derailed. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron. We're you so have to gl- be on the rails first. You guys, we're so glad to have Aaron here. Okay, Aaron. So you have been married for quite a while now, and you actually met your husband Adam when you were seventeen. Is that a true story? That is a true story. And then if I tell you how long I've been married, then you can do the math and figure out how old I am. Oh, <laughs> oh we my. won't do any math. We no, promise. we don't do math on this show. 
So yeah, we've been together for quite some time, the better part of two decades. So uh, yeah, it's been a it's been a great journey. We met at church camp. Oh, oh wow. Lord awesome. bless them. I love it. Was there like love under the like altar call or something or how no, did that I go down? Head, I wasn't the head lifeguard. I was a lifeguard and he was in charge of teaching nature classes. Oh. So we were both employed by church camp. So we spent the entire summer together and that's how our love blossomed. Wow. <laughs> oh. What was it about him that, that just made you go, yeah, I'm, I, I like I'm, this I'm guy. In. I like this guy. Uh, he's really hot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and right. you were the lifeguard, so that's like an easy sell. <laughs> You're in a swimsuit all summer. He's like, yes, please. Right? Right? Okay. <laughs> so how did you guys actually stay together from the time you were 17? I feel like that's a super rare thing. It is rare. And many times we almost didn't yeah. because we met, we met after my freshman year or right around my freshman year, of both of our freshman years of college. So we're the same age. And we went to two different universities that were only an hour apart from one another. However, neither of us had cell phones, hmm. neither of us Nobody had did. computers, um, long distance. You know how much it costs to make a long distance call back then? I remember those days. Email Do you remember the cards? Did you like load up your card? Remember you had a calling card yeah. and then you would like have a certain amount of minutes and then you were done. You're like, I only have 10 minutes. That's you have all to I dial have. like a 94 digit long number before you <laughs> yes. dialed the number. And then you had to dial another number after that. Okay. No. You guys, we are seriously aging ourselves. No more talking right? about calling cards. We both, neither of us had cars, so we could not travel to go see each other. So we spent the, and I was on the five-year plan and he was on the four and a half year plan. So we literally spent the next four and a half years, like borrowing people's cars and saving up so we could buy cars and saving up to make a long distance call. And then at one point we were sharing a cell phone so we could talk. Like, I mean, we're talking and we broke up multiple times and got yeah. back together multiple times. So to be fair. Yeah. yeah that's you're in, good, you're in good company. That was us too, honey. We broke yes. up how many times? Five, maybe. Why do you got to dig up this stuff? Like, Justin, you know this is dangerous ground. Justin relating to the guest. Relating to the guest. <laughs> it traumatizes Justin. He doesn't like that we broke up so many Danielle times. Danielle was... Mean? Danielle was uh, <laughs> a different person. <laughs> different person. Thank goodness we've all changed that, over the years. Oh, yeah, no. thank God that, that, that we've grown. Okay, so... You and Adam, you have three girls. So I want to know, how did you get into the idea of, obviously, Aaron, you and I have been teenage girls. We've been young ladies and we know how it goes. Like, how did you end up having a heart for teaching young ladies, not just your daughters, but other young ladies to um, grow up and use their voice and be fierce and all that? So ultimately my education, my background in education is in education. So I am a certified secondary educator. Mm -hmm. And so I always knew that I wanted to teach. I knew that I wanted to impact young lives. I knew that I wanted to help them become their best self, but I always envisioned that and happening through a social studies classroom in a high school somewhere. That was kind of sure. what I envisioned my life would be like. So when through the course of my life, that's not kind of what materialized. I was, I was very open. I was really like, okay, let's just see what happens. I'm, 
I have kind of no predisposition that it has to be a certain way, I suppose. And I ended up running a private school instead of teaching in a public school. So that was a kind of a whole nother uh, sideline. But while there, I ended up having my first child, which was a daughter, which terrified me to my very core. Really? Yeah, yes. More about I that. always thought, I always thought for me, I was like, oh, please let me get a daughter. So I have a clue what I'm dealing with here. No, I did. So what was, what was it that made you terrified? So I grew up the middle of three girls and we just had a very tumultuous relationship growing up. Uh, I remember we were very close in age. We were all two years apart. And so there was a lot of trying to date the same guys. There was a lot of um, uh. issues with clothes. There was a lot of cattiness. There was a lot of this type of thing. And in general, I just felt like siblings aside, it was difficult for me to have sense of self-worth, sense of self-esteem, sense of uh, purpose and different things. I just, I felt very much, even at the time of, of getting pregnant, that I was just still kind of like floating in the wind, waiting to see where I was going to end up. Like there were some very intentional decisions about going into education, but that was after I'd been in a business program for two years and was like, this is not for me. And making the switch and realizing, oh, education is my calling. That's so clear. You know, so it was a lot of trial and error for me. And and having daughters, I just, when I realized I was going to have a daughter, I just looked back at my junior high, high school, and even college years, and even dating Adam, and like the on and the off, and how much that was about my sense of lack of sense of self, and things like that, that I was like, I don't want a daughter to have to go through all the things that I went through to find herself, and be herself, and be amazing, and embrace how amazing she is. I don't want her to have to be 30 years old before she gets how cool she is and how much she can contribute to the world and things like that. So I'm like, all right, well, I'm just going to have to dig in and do the hard work. So immediately I started reading and learning about what it meant to be a girl growing up in this day and age, like what it meant to parent a girl, what I started reading about things that literally you would have thought that child development wise, I would have read in my education field, but instead I just really focused on the girl aspect, not the education of all youth, but the girl aspect. And the more I dug in, I was like, okay, well, this is good. I can, I can work with this because I'm an educator and I can figure out how to make this all developmentally appropriate. And I can figure out how to raise strong women. This is my new goal. Like I can do this. Uh, then I had a second daughter. <laughs> and and they're like, very wow. different, aren't they? They're very different. And on the spectrum of children, they are very much alike. On the spectrum of my children, they are very different. <laughs> Yeah, well, I'm wondering too, like, were, you obviously have three girls and you were one of three girls. Do you think that sense of, you said you felt you were kind of like floating in the wind. Um, do you think that had to do with being the middle child? Because a lot of, you know, a lot of research says that there's, there's a lot in that middle child that's trying to like define themselves and find their spot and all that kind of stuff. Do you think that added to it, the middle child? It may have, although most people that meet me assume that I'm an oldest child because of how I act. Mm. 
Hmm. So I think, yeah, <laughs> um, it, it may have been partly in there though, because I was always either grouped as one of the older girls or one of the younger girls. And so I didn't have my own, it was never like, Hey, our middle daughter is going to do this. It was like, our two oldest are doing this or our two youngest are doing this or, you know, things like that. Oh, so you were kind of always part of the fun. So that always in there. <laughs> well, I was also thinking too, you said you had, you were thinking you would be a social studies teacher. And I always think back to like, now I feel like, you know, like with the me too movement and a lot of more, um, focus is coming into feminine issues. Like, did you ever think about that when you were doing your social studies, like kind of background stuff? Like, were you interested in like suffrage or women's rights or anything like that back in the day? When you it was studying? not a special area of focus for me at mm -hmm. all. It was no. more about, I remember, I remember some of my first interviews, uh, to be a secondary education teacher. And I remember just telling them, I want young people to understand that they have a voice and that this is a country and a world that they're creating for themselves and for the people that come after them. And so I want them to understand how to be productive and helpful and encouraging members of society. And I feel like the social studies classroom is a great place to do that. So it wasn't so much girl focused until I had daughters. Yeah. Well, I feel like that too is like a, a lot of people, a lot of young people get a bad rap. Like, it's like, oh, young kids today, no matter what age you're in, I feel like whatever, whatever decade you're in, young people always get a bad rap. Totally. But then you're like, you see kids that are like making a difference in the world. And you're like, I'm so proud of those younger kids. I feel like they're a lot more gutsy and bold. And, you know, like you said, they have that power, like, um, I feel like a lot more than I've seen any generation of younger people lately. Definitely. And what the research shows, which is really interesting, which is why I start working with eight-year-olds, is that at the ages of eight, nine, 10, and even a little bit into 11, girls are super bold, super fierce, super confident for the most part. Not everybody, not across the board, but for the most part, that is like their renaissance time where they're like give it to me i can tackle it i can make it happen i can do it and statistically speaking around 11 12 years old is where that drops off and all of a sudden they're peer referencing so they're constantly looking at uh the other people their age around them whether that's boys or girls to try and figure out do i fit in am i good enough should i continue this way should i make a change how should i dress how should i do my hair what should i talk about what should i not talk about what should i watch on tv uh and so it's really it's really interesting to work with girls across the spectrum and see literally with my own eyes that drop off occur and then be able to like kind of come in and help remind them of both who they are and who they're becoming and really at that sensitive time. So it's, it's actually interesting. Yeah. What, what is the, the catalyst for that switch at 11, 12 years old? It's the difference between referencing and uh, scribing our self-worth to what adults think of us versus what people our own age think of us. Uh, and so that's part of what I teach them is talking about actually what other people think of us is not the goal. It's figuring out who we are and our identity, which is what you guys talk about a lot. It's our identity that matters and being true to who we are and who we were created to be. And then when we're able to embrace that, regardless of what people our age or even people older than us, whether it's our parents or other people think or we perceive their thinking, uh, that's when the true magic starts to happen. And so 
to have mentors and people that believe in you all the way come alongside you during that process is super powerful. I'm wondering too, like our daughter is eight, our oldest is eight right now. So it sounds like she's in that magic zone right there. Like, is there anything that we can do with her in the next few years that can kind of bolster up that sense of identity so that she doesn't kind of crumble into that place when she's 11? 100%. There are two huge things that I would recommend. The first one is constantly reflecting back to her what she's doing and what that means about who she is. Mm. So when she does something kind, instead of saying, oh, great job, that was really kind, that's fine. But saying, wow, when you did this, that showed what a kind person you are and we know you to be. Mm. So taking all of those opportunities to really speak uh, what I consider nutritional um, praise as opposed to junk food praise into their lives. So junk food is like, good job, way to go, great, you're awesome, which feel nice in the moment, that's fine, as does, you know, eating a bag of Doritos. But it's not gonna sustain us for the long term. Whereas nutritional praise and nutritional encouragement really holds a mirror up. And it's hard to do sometimes because it takes a lot of thought to think about what did they just do? What quality can I ascribe to that? And how can I feed that into them in a way that they're going to listen? But they're listening a lot more at eight than they are at 12. So the more you can get in between the ages of eight and 11, the better. Yeah. Um, so that's the first thing. And the second- I, 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 Correct me if I'm wrong. It feels like it's just like, it's almost like just um, saying it a little bit differently. Like instead of saying, oh, that was so kind of you to help your sister or whatever, just saying like, I know you to be a kind person yeah. and I really see that in you. And like, it's just a little bit different way of saying it, even though it's the same type of thing. Absolutely. It's bringing out that identity piece. Like this is a piece of your identity and we recognize that piece of your identity um, and we honor that and we, you know, and we want you to own it because we talk about they need to have like internal locus of control. Like they need to understand they can't be always getting, you know, the awards from outside in order to feel good about themselves. It has to come from within. But that is why we are given children to help them develop that, to help them see the goodness and the amazingness and the qualities within them and help reflect that back to them. Because they might think, oh yeah, that's a kind thing to do, but not really identify themselves as a kind person consistently. Yeah. Do you know the top three problems that married people face? Number one, having the same stupid fights over and over. Wait, didn't we just have this argument yesterday? Ugh. Number two, your conversations are transactional and devoid of any fun. Your reading spousal relation, let us complete our regular duties and return to our charging stations. And this is the biggest one. Number three, you haven't had sex or it hasn't been good. Wait, what? In so long, you've started calling it me time. Are you on your phone? Are you done yet? Does any of this sound familiar? Because if so, you're not alone. You know that marriage can and should be full of passion, fun, adventure, and laughter. 
but most couples end up in the roommate zone. Not what I signed up for. Whatever has you in the roommate zone, we want to help you break out. All you have to do is go to soulmateschallenge.com and register today for the Roommates to Soulmates Challenge, and you can reignite the intimacy and connection in your marriage in just five days. Don't believe us? Try it. Register today at soulmateschallenge.com. It's free and could transform your marriage forever. And we have a money-back guarantee. And free? Well... I'm wondering too, like with our whole quarantine situation where the kids are not in school, they're not around their friends as much. They're probably not at, you know, youth groups or church or, you know, other things like that. Like, are they having more trouble, like, Mm. like keying into their identity or maybe Mm. it's not as stressful and maybe it's easy just to be around your family and listen to what your parents have to say and what you think about yourself. I don't know. Totally depends on the kid and it depends on what they're cued into. If they're cued into their Instagram feed and they're constantly playing the comparison game of who's doing what on TikTok and Instagram, then it could be detrimental because they're also not getting the positive side. But if they're off their screen and they're really just, you know, playing games with their sister or brother, I suppose some people do have boys. I don't know these people, but I don't know these people either. <laughs> but yeah, I think, it, I think that really depends on the kid. And, and so much comes back to kind of the second thing is intentionality and forecasting. So I've been telling my 12 year old since she was eight year old, Hey, just so you know, at some point you're not going to like me and I'm okay with that because that's developmentally normal and we'll get through it. We'll communicate about it. And she just, for the longest time, just thought that was hilarious. Now she's 12 and she's like, you were wrong. I don't like you. (laughs) (laughs) I see. And so talking, I mean, it's the same thing about talking about periods or talking about sex or talking about, you name it, relationship issues that they're going to have. Um, your kids aren't thinking about dating yet. And yet, if you start to frame conversations now about what crushes look like or what uh, romantic relationships look like or problems that they're going to encounter, if you start talking about them now in bite-sized pieces, but normalizing those conversations and also forecasting things that are going to happen so you can problem solve them now. Because what happens so often to my teenage girls that end up in kind of more negative spaces is they didn't see any of it coming. It all hits them like a ton of bricks at once and they just go on their gut and their feeling. And guess what? The guts and feelings of teenage girls, not the best decision-making tools. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I think of my, my mother will refer back to when I was 13 as like the worst year of my, she was like, I pretty much hated you when you were 13 like not hated me but your mom is going to listen to this like them yeah she's like it was the worst you were totally hormonal and you had no judgment whatsoever you would just do whatever you wanted same thing with my sister i'm sure about the same age and it is just whoo it is just all cylinders on go there's no breaks there's no filter there's no (laughs) but it's not their fault like this is this is the second most rapid time of brain development first is like between the ages of like whatever one and three and then when you become a teenager that is a a time of rapid brain development and they're just trying to get their handle on it and when they are so passionate and so upset and so uh volatile 
they're not being dramatic. That literally is what their brain is signaling them is happening. Like yeah. it is do or die in this moment. And it's not, it's not because it's do or die, but in their brain, like the chemicals are telling them like, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. And you will die if you don't go to this party. Okay. So you will die. Yeah. So short of keeping tranquilizer darts around, how how do we, how do do we, I don't want to say combat that, but how do you, well, she said forecast it, but yeah, but what if we haven't been forecasting all along and then here we're hit with this freight train and now what do we do? So the best thing that I have advised parents to do and that have done it and that I have also done is instituting family, family rituals that we all know what happens when this type of thing starts to occur. So when someone starts to lose their cool, whether it's mom or daughter or dad, whoever, uh, what is it we do? What is our family go to in this moment? And for us, it's separate. If we keep talking about it right now, nothing good is going to come from that. Yep. So we need right. cool off time. So we set a timer and we cool off. And we, when we come back together, the first thing that we do is we apologize. Hey, I know that I probably was not handling that the best. And, you know, like that takes a huge amount of humility, but we take ownership over our part of the situation. And I think this is where a lot of parents struggle uh, because we're the parent and they should just do what we say. And the reality is a lot of times we get clouded by that, that power of, we have the power over you. And the reality is we don't have any power over them. Once they reach a certain age, they can literally do whatever they want. And we can put down consequences and we can try to put down barriers and boundaries. But at the end of the day, they are a fairly self-sufficient human being. And if we have not developed the relationship and if we have not developed the skills and the tools both in them as well as within ourselves to negotiate that relationship, it's going to get scary. (laughs) Not because they're not amazing, not because we're not amazing, but because we all need to rise. And this is what you guys talk about in marriage as well. We all need to rise to that level of communication. We need to rise to that level of personal responsibility and humility to work through these issues. And I think we need to view it as one of the most important relationships in our life. And the decisions that we make today, whether they're five or 15 are going to impact what this relationship looks like in five or 10 years. And so is the decision I'm making now going to play out in the, in the relationship that I hope to have in five years or in 10 years? I want to ask too about um, dads because I've noticed that the relationship between the girls and their dads have changed over the years. We've, um, you know, Wait, there's their the, dads. Sorry, <laughs> their dad. Well, you don't know about Wait, the other one, but what? Um, the, um, like when they're little, they're like, "Oh, daddy, I love you so much. I want to marry you." And why is mommy in the way of that? And you know that kind of thing. And then we've recently had to have a conversation of like with our oldest daughter of like, you need to wear a shirt around your dad and you need to whatever. Well, let's be clear like, here. I just, For years, you wanted I've them to been wear trying a shirt. To, to instill some <laughs> sense of awareness and modesty for lack of a better term. <laughs> That's overrated. I think the word modesty has a lot of loaded stuff. Sure. Let's pass on that. We'll move on from that word. <laughs> but, but I get what you're saying. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying like, I feel like there's lots of different phases for dads, especially that are hard to navigate. Um, the difference of like, you are my whole world and now you're weird and now I want nothing to do with you. And then why don't you Wait, like, it, it, where am I right now? Um, you're kind of in a limbo land between like, you're annoying and you're super cool and I love you. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. We both very, are. It, okay. So it's very conditional based on whether or not we'll let them watch <laughs> yeah. screens or. Oh yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. But I just remember an age where, you know, you start to wear your bra and stuff. And I remember my mom said, this was a very defining moment. She said that my dad couldn't do tickle fights with us anymore. And I just thought like, why can't, so what, doesn't he like me anymore? Can't we have fun together anymore? Like that kind of a thing. I just didn't get it. But all of a sudden our relationship shifted because I was going through puberty and I didn't, I didn't, I remember really not liking it. Yeah. It was just a weird shift that was kind of thrust upon me and I didn't get it. And again, I, for us and our family and the way that we've discussed this, as well as the way that a lot of professionals recommend is it has to do with transparency in advance. Mm. So we've been, still none of my girls have started their period. They're going to kill me for telling you that. Um, but you don't know them. That's okay. <laughs> that's true. Uh, so, but we've been talking about it for literally probably close to two years. And so little bits of information here and there of what that looks like. How does your body change? Getting them the books, reading books with them early so they can have information in advance. It's so much less. I mean, think about it. What is, what is it that you like? So if I was going to go skydiving for me, I'm going to look up every single thing I can about skydiving. What I need to do, how I need to prepare, who I need to get on board to make sure that I'm safe, you know, all of these things. And I'm not going to do that five minutes before I get in the plane. I'm going right. to do that you know, for the, the year before I step off that. <laughs> but how much of that, how much of that do you think is personality, Aaron? Because like, I would be the guy who, who I'm not interested in skydiving particularly, but who would go, yeah, let's, let's do that. That'll be awesome. And like, let's go this afternoon. What do I, and I'd be like, okay, so what do I need to know? And you'd be, you'd be like this, this, and this. And I, okay. And then like, as I'm headed there, I'm on the phone going, okay, wait, what? Ninety-four <laughs> percent success rate. What? Wait, wait, wait! Whoa, whoa! What? Where's that six percent line? <laughs> yeah, and maybe that's some failure in the metaphor. <laughs> uh, but definitely, when it comes to our children, I personally believe we cannot be overprepared, and we can't mm -hmm. overprepare them for what's going to come. And quite honestly, as a mom, Danielle, overpreparing your husband. For what's going to come because if he didn't grow up with a sister or maybe even if he did he still may have no clue to really un like he's heard horror stories but he doesn't know the reality you know mm -hmm. and how he navigates that relationship with his daughter during this time i think moms play a really big role in that uh my husband and i have a lot of talks about okay so here's what you said today and here's how she took it today but let's for fast forward this tape three years from now and you make a similar comment. How do you think that's gonna play both in that moment and in your, like how that results in your relationship? Whether it's about how she 
you know, played basketball or, or how she was dressing or what her makeup looked like, whatever it is, you know what I mean? And my husband's very good about like, because I've done so much research, because this is my area of expertise, he takes my lead a lot and he's very humble in how he approaches things because he did grow up with four boys and one girl. There were five people in his family. So, but his sister was like, nine or 10 years younger, like significantly younger than him. So he's basically all boy, only understands boys, only knows boys. So he takes a lot of, of that from me out of, out of respect for my journey as well as my profession. So. Okay, Justin, I'm going to tell you something in yes. like taking Aaron's advice here. Um, every day getting ready for church when I was a teenager, there was a major blowout about how my hair looked, how nothing fit me anymore. I hated all my clothes. Why do I have to wake up so early? Um, pretty much every Sunday morning, just play that tape over and over again. That was me as a teenager. Because even in your description of it, like the term blowout to me uh, conjures the, the sense of like a digestive issue. No, it's slamming not, doors. Not it's about screaming. And it's crying and on your bed. It's, you know, we are, are going to be not late getting with- ready for a holy moment at church. Is that what you're saying? I think How? this is so important. Um, and I know, I know a lot of the ladies will listen to this episode and I, and I hope guys are listening this far and we need to make sure we're, we're encouraging them to, because it is so important to not run away mm. at that stage. Like, I, you know, in, in, over the years, over the years of coaching and, and working with couples, like run into a lot of stories like that, where, you know, all of a sudden dad abandons the, the daughter because it's awkward. It's different. It's weird. He doesn't want it. Like there's this, there's this weird, like, deep rooted fear that I think men have that somehow they're going to accidentally have some kind of incestuous thought relationship into like something that, that is just, that is just paralyzing and terrifying. Yeah. And uh, guys, we got to push, you got to push through that. If that's, if that's the case, you got to push through that because like leaving being absent then is possibly the worst thing that we can do. Yeah. It's much better to have an awkward and uncomfortable conversation or multiple awkward and uncomfortable conversations and for your daughter to roll her eyes at you and hide under the bed because she doesn't want to hear it, but know that you're there Yeah, than it is to not have that conversation. I and think it's us. fun We're because adults, you know? men are trained, like if you think biologically back in the day, they're trained to run after a mammoth with a spear and they're trained to like go into burning buildings and rescue their family. Like that's what's in them. But oh my gosh, a teenage girl and (laughs) so scary. (laughs) It's very scary. Well, and I think there's a lot of, of, of the male experience growing up of uh, at that age when puberty hits and the, 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 the sudden and complete focus on, on girls and how interesting they are and mm. what you can do with them and what you can get them to do and <laughs> and and all of that that then when when a man gets to the point of having a daughter there it's 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 there's this huge dissonance that develops like yes. oh my gosh like there's so other guys, boys out there so that are like me when I was 14 well there's guys out there and like I don't know how to be with a 
a, a young woman in this age and have it not be not, it's not about, not about incest. I'll use the word earlier, but it's not about that. It's about like, how do I relate with somebody like this? Right. Right. When everything in my experience was a completely different motivation, a completely different paradigm, a completely different perspective. And, and really it comes down to, to uh, I think for guys, their relationship with their own sexuality, with, with uh, understanding those motivations and everything. Because, yeah. because if, that, if that code is operating underneath, it, it's part of what causes guys to pull away, to move away, to, to hide while, while their, their kids are needing them in a different way. Yeah. And it, I think it comes back to also trusting your daughters and the parenting that you've done to that point, because I think a lot of dads pull away or become very oppressive during that time because they are scared of boys being like they were when they were that age. Um, and that further, you know, but they don't want to talk about it. They just want to lay down rules. Like, here's the rule. You can't go out past this time or you can't date this person or you can't uh, buy these types of gifts or whatever it is. They, they set down all these rules without a... Their daughters can make wise decisions in community, in relationship both with their parents as well as with other people their age. And the truth is, young women, although we talk about the teenage brain and all these issues, all of that is an immediate reaction. Yeah. That's why we have the quiet time when stuff blows up. Because when they've been given time to think and to process in a calm atmosphere, they are brilliant. They are amazing. They are self-reflective. And we need to trust them to make those decisions based on the foundation that we've given them to that point. Now, if you get to that point and you haven't given them the foundation, then you have reason to worry, I think. <laughs> um, so hopefully people are catching it earlier. That being said, everything is fixable. There's always, there's always a way to maintain, to fix that relationship. It's the same thing with a marriage relationship. I truly believe there's always things you can do relationally to fix those things and to move forward regardless of what you've done in the past. It's harder, but mm -hmm. you can do it. And I think if, if dads can start to trust their daughters with the awkwardness and trust them with the hard conversations, just the way a mom does, like, it's not, it's not a mom thing. Like, it's not like, Oh mom, you have to talk to her about periods or you have to talk to her about sex or you have to talk to her about dating. No, it's a, it's a parent's job together. And those conversations may look different with a mom or a dad, yeah. but it's both parents together uh, where I think that comes through that the girl is truly in a safe space where she can learn and grow how to be herself, how to find her identity in the midst of all of this um, and grow into flourish and be her, her fiercest, most flourishing self. Yeah. I love the way that you talk about uh, raising fierce girls who flourish. Um, our, our kids are wonderfully, have always been wonderfully uh, feral. <laughs> I love it. I mean, I think back, there's a picture somewhere of, of Allie Who's our covered in like, I don't know if it was like baking soda and water or something on the back deck as yeah. a little, little kid. And it was just like, like she was covered in, in like some tribal paintings or something. And it's, it, it, I, like every time she's just, Rawr! 
I, that image flashes in my head. And, and I'll, so, so explain when, what you mean when you say that. Like the that's fierce the thing. Oh, the fierce. Yeah. yeah. So I will, I've had parents say to me in the past, oh, my daughter's fierce enough already. Don't worry. You know, things like that. And the reality is it comes back to that, that age drop off, the 11 to 12, where they are fierce and fabulous and want everyone to know it up to a certain age until they start to like retreat. And so I want them to hang on to that. Remember that fierceness, hang on to that fierceness, own it, and then find ways to help that help you flourish. Don't let that be a detriment to who you are. Don't think of it as a detriment and don't let it um, find ways to embrace that natural you that's amazing. And don't let the world I don't want to say beat it out of you, but don't let the world press in on you so much that you feel like you need to fit into a mold where you can't be your fiercest self. Break that mold, reject that mold. But in order to do that, you have to see what the mold is. So teaching them how to evaluate media, right? How to uh, participate in activities where they're the leader, but also where they're the follower teaching them how to do and giving them these tools, not to fit them in my mold, but to help them figure out what theirs is going to look like, what they're, you know, I'm not trying to make mini me's with my mentoring program. It's not about creating people who are me. It's about creating fully who they are and giving them the tools to start understanding that because their brains are still developing. They still need tools, you know, uh, they still need adults, you know, adults to be adults and to, to, to model for them. Uh, how it needs to be. And I, I, that's what we find a lot of is a, a, a lot of moms bringing their girls to me saying like, I, I don't have this stuff figured out. So mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time teaching her. And yeah. so I help teach the daughters who then also help teach the moms. And it's like a beautiful mm -hmm. thing together. So like when the daughter comes home and says, Hey, did you know this? Or were you thinking about that? Um, do you understand what it means to be proactive? Like, here's how I'm going to start being proactive this week. And that inspires the mom to think like, yeah, that's how I want to be proactive or, you know, those types of things. So it's really cool to see it when that happens. It's generational switching and changing and. Yeah. Growing. I love that too. When you can learn from your kids, it's like you, you from can, and with, and yeah, yeah, from and with. And, um, I feel like we could have a whole other conversation when you said how to evaluate media and like how you should participate in that. Um, that's something Oy. that we have to dive in on another day, but that's like a whole nother ball of wax that kind of terrifies me in the moment because YouTube is very exciting in our house and you know there's all everything it's all, yes, all the, the things the, the minecraft prank videos and things like that oh my so. gosh i watching other people play video games i which i still don't understand <laughs> except still... we watch people design their houses on hgtv so we can't <gasps> be too critical oh true true oh my gosh so true <laughs> Oh my That's gosh. Awesome. Okay. The next time somebody That's says awesome. that, I'm bringing that out and I will uh, quote Aaron's heart. Okay. So, Aaron, it's been so awesome to have you on the show. Let us know. Like, I'm sure our listeners are falling in love with you and your message and everything. What are you up to now and how can we find you? Absolutely. So, I run mentoring programs that are all virtual programs for girls ages eight to 18. And it's, yeah, it's amazing and it's fun and they get to know people from across the country, which is really exciting. Uh, so if you're interested in learning about that or me or just following my work, Facebook is where I'm the most active, Aaron Tarr at Be The Benchmark. 
I also have a group for specifically for moms of girls that you can find through that. And my mm -hmm. website is www.erintar.com. So it's just my name, E-R-I-N-T-A-R-R. We'll, right. we'll put all that in the show notes as well. Oh my gosh, Erin, it's been so awesome. I feel like a little Thank bit more so empowered. Yeah. To, like now I'm going to go out there and I'm going to parent the crap out of those girls. Well, it's, it's just interesting them. the timing because we've, we've been going through <laughs> some challenge this week. And right. uh, so it's, it's, I love how these things work out. We're we're in the middle of something and then we sit down and talk to somebody like Aaron and then all give of us some like, juice. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. We got some, something in the tank now. <laughs> all right. Hopefully our listeners get some in the tank too. Well, thank you so much, Aaron. Yes. Thank you for having me. Glad it worked out finally. <laughs> okay. What I'm really going to try to apply yeah. after this conversation is just like, Filling up the girl's tank, you know, I mean, this is very like hands-on for us. Like we can go do this stuff today. Um, tell them, mm -hmm. reflect back to them who they truly are, yeah. who they're created to be, who we see in them, their strengths, all that. So when they reach that age where, you know, it's tempted to all go out the window, yeah. we, we've really packed it in there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, uh, I, you're right. And like we, we talk about this with couples is mm. like speak the truth of who your spouse is. Mm. Like encouragement, placing courage into, you know, calling forth the best in somebody is, is much more powerful, much more effective, much more transformational I mean, in their life. Not than, calling out who you want them to be, yeah. but like seeing what is naturally yeah. there. It was just such a good reminder. Um, two things stood out for me. One is what you said. It's just the reminder. Yes, speak words of life into your kids yeah. and each other. And two, um, you know, particularly we're talking about girls. Like we have two girls and we said at the top of the show, their puberty is not terribly far away. It's, just, it's a few years, a handful of years away. And it's easy for men to get intimidated or whatever and move away. And, Don't do it, honey. And, uh, you know, I, I believe in not doing that. And it's also like, it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta be a Because the crazy that comes with the hormones of puberty is, is antithetical to my peace loving nature. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and now the talk about it segment of the show. Each week we challenge you to set a time with your spouse to have a conversation that matters. Okay. Here's your conversation starter question. What is something you want your kids to know is true about themselves? Mm, yeah. Speak that courage into them. Yes. Speak who you say they are. Tell them. Tell them. Tell them. Uh, we've started the conversation here. We hope you'll join in over in our free community on Facebook. LegendaryMarriage.com slash community is a shortcut to get there. If you'd like to join this movement of couples to break out of the roommate zone, build legendary marriages, then the best place to start is our free Roommates to Soulmates five-day marriage challenge. The next one is starting soon. So you can get all the details and register now at soulmateschallenge.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Legendary Marriage Podcast. This is Danielle and Justin reminding you, don't settle for an ordinary marriage. Make yours legendary. Legendary.